Welcome to the Transcend Human Podcast. I'm Daryl McMullen, and this is a show dedicated to understanding the human condition, the impact it has on us, how we respond to it, how we can exceed the expectations and limitations of this world, in essence, how we can level up and live lives that serve a higher purpose. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Happy Monday. It is July 20th, and before we get started, we'll just do a little update on COVID-19. I'm not sure how things are for you and your part of the world, but unfortunately, with the rising numbers and some of the spikes in um, cases seen in the hospitals here in Southern California, and I think quite a few other states uh, in the country, uh, we are right on the brink of going back into a full lockdown. So, you know, just as things were opening back up and we were able to go, you know, to limited seating in restaurants and, and things like that, um, we're back to having bars and hair salons and workout facilities all shut back down again. And, uh, you know, just with our governor saying that at any minute he feels like we may you know, have to do a full shutdown just because the numbers are coming back up so strongly. So, so again, uh, that's where we're at here in California. I'm not sure where you guys are at. Unfortunate, but you know, it's just, uh, it's the crazy train we've been on. And at this point, I don't think anybody is shocked by the fact that things are the way they are. So let's jump into minute of transparency Uh, kind of tied to the coronavirus thing a little bit. For me, uh, I guess if there's been one bright spot in this entire thing, uh, for me or for our family, it's it's been having the family back together again. So last year, uh, we downsized by one child. Uh, We sent a child off to Pepperdine. And it was, you know, it took some time getting used to what it meant to, to not have all of your kids in the home, to be down one of your family members. And it was difficult, but uh, we were just kind of getting used to that reality uh, when coronavirus hit. And so now here we are back with uh, five in our family, all in the house together, sharing cars and and space and all of those things. Um, But it's been it's been a really amazing gift that we've been given. Now, I'm sure my daughter wouldn't agree with that. I'm sure she was a little irritated that you know, she had just gotten a taste of freedom, was really enjoying things at school, and then this happened. But for us, again, you know, what a gift, just a little bit more time that we, we were getting to spend together. So we were able to go to Florida for a short trip. Um, you know, we've done day trips to the beach. We've done uh, road trips down to San Diego, family dinners around the table, family game and movie nights. You know, you, na- you name it, it's, it's been a lot of fun. You know, moments that we've been given back, uh, even though the events causing the ability to do that have been so negative and so difficult. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. And, and, you know, if there's anything positive that you can take out of this experience, hopefully um, you can look at your life or you can find, you know, a few things like that and say, you know, at least we got to do X, Y, or Z in this difficult time. So... 
So that's it. That's my minute of transparency for this week. Um, and let's dive in. So last week, uh, we talked about the importance of making good choices, forming good habits, and eventually developing a character that we can be proud of. And today, you know, we're going to focus a little bit more on that whole aspect of character and just how important it is, not to our eternal outcome, but to the world around us, to the here and now. So today's basic assumption, our character impacts everything. And we've got two sections today. We've got the great debate and character impacts everything. Number one, the great debate. So last week, we introduced the idea of justification and sanctification, the fun little Christianese words. um, And we talked a little bit about them as being step one and step two. Uh, kind of in our in our lives in our spiritual spiritual journeys. Uh, so the debate that we're talking about uh, typically arises when we get to step two, right? And we start talking about choices and habits and character. Uh, people go through an amazing experience like justification or step one, and then they completely forget about it and start asking questions like, "So how good do I have to be? What if I make some bad decisions?" Uh, Is perfection the goal? I feel like I'm never going to measure up. What if I can't make enough good choices quickly enough? And what if I still have some of my bad habits? And these questions are 100% legit, not just for people new to faith, but really for all of us. You know, we all kind of struggle with questions like these because we see our human nature and it scares us. We see the presence of the sin virus in our life and we see the impact it has on us, and we know that we could do better. So we start debating with ourselves, right? How important is step two, really? How good do we really have to be? Is there a piece of it still left up to me? Like, if I fail to do something, does step one go away, and I no longer have the antidote to the sin virus? And that's it right there. That's it. That's the real question. Is step one enough? Or do I have to do something else? Do I have to do more? Do I have to be better? Do I have to work my way uh, to heaven? And this is the debate we mentioned last week. So you can call it, you know, the grace versus works debate, the faith versus legalism debate, accepting versus doing, Jesus versus me. I mean, really, at the end of the day, that's what it is, right? You know, is Jesus, is the gift Jesus gave me through his death on the cross, is that enough? Or Is there something more I have to do? So the debate uh, basically hinges on these two ideas, right? On one side, you have uh, this belief that the only way to get to heaven is to accept the antidote to the sin virus, the antidote that Jesus developed by dying on the cross for our sins. And on the other side, you have this belief that, well, it's not really enough. I mean, you really have to do some stuff, right? You You have to do enough so that you're worthy of the antidote to the sin virus. Now, I'm not going to try to persuade you one, or the, one way or the other. Obviously, it's a debate because, you know, you have lots of people who believe one one thing and lots of people who believe the other. But I'm not going to try to persuade you. I'm just going to tell you that controversy theory accepts the first to be true. So the only way to get to heaven is to accept the antidote to the sin virus. Drop the mic. Done. Uh, you know, however, now that we have our eternal outcome secured, according to controversy theory, 
uh, we still have the rest of our lives to live, right? And we have the choice, right? We can either sit back, lock ourselves in our houses and wait to die or wait for the end of the world to happen. Or we can look at the rest of our life as an opportunity, right? We can head in a new direction. We can start working to transcend human, right? That's why we, we do this whole podcast is to talk about transcending human. Basically so that we leave the world a little better than we found it and have a better impact on others. So let's net it out. Uh, we don't transcend human in order to get to heaven. We transcend human because we have been given the gift of heaven and we can't imagine doing anything else. So once we fully understand how loved we are by God and the sacrifice he made for us in sending Jesus to die a horrible death, we start to view step two differently. Instead of looking at sanctification or step two as a list of rules and regulations that we now have to keep, we start transcending human in order to be more like him so that we can carry his message and his gift on to those around us. So the closer we get to our creator, the more we want to be like him. We start to realize the profound impact that we can have on others around us and we see that every interaction is important and that how we act can either build people up or tear them down. And finally, even though we understand we will never be perfect, we still want to be on the side of good. We still want to add to the good in the world so that evil and darkness is pushed back. So let's illustrate with a real life example. When you finally meet the love of your life and you say, I do, um, it's the I do part that seals the deal, right? It makes it official. It's that one-time event, the wedding and the ceremony that make it real. This is step one. But once it's official, do you spend the rest of your life just sitting on the couch? Do you do nothing with your spouse as if you've arrived and there's nothing more to learn about the person? Or worse yet, do you return to your old life and start dating again? No. The obvious answer is this. When you get married, your life has changed forever. You spend the rest of your life getting to know your spouse better. And over time, you know, you mature, if you mature, and make changes in your life, um, you're doing so in order to make a better life for you and your spouse. Or at least that's the healthy marriage, you know, the, the way that a healthy marriage is supposed to work. The marriage was official in step one right? That's something that you were both entering into, and it's something that no one else can take away from you. But step two is you getting to enjoy being married over time. So why would it be any different with God? Step one seals the deal. Step two is you getting to know him better, enjoying your new life, exploring the new you, and transcending human. Number two, character impacts everything. So last week, we talked about our character as our spiritual DNA, right? Or what's truly inside us. It's a combination of a million little choices and the formation of multiple habits. Uh, we talked about the fact that making good choices and forming good habits helps you develop a character that looks a lot like God's character, which is love. And we talked about the fact that if you make a lot of bad choices and form some bad habits... Um, you know, you're developing a character that looks a bit more like Satan's character, which is based on 
anger, hatred, revenge, self-centeredness, you know, and the list goes on and on. And today, uh, we made it clear that this spiritual DNA does not save us. It does not uh, get us to heaven. Uh, It does not in any way, shape, or form determine our eternal outcome because it is not the antidote to the sin virus. Instead, it is the natural changes in our behavior if we vote against or for God in the eternal election. In other words, our character is really a good indicator as to who we voted for. In the book of James, there are a lot of verses that talk about your faith being dead without your works, and that the way that you show your faith is by your works. So in controversy theory terms, we could say it this way. Our vote may not have been cast if there has been no change in the way we feel, think, or behave. And similarly, her vote was obvious by the way she felt, thought, and behaved. So as you can see, we're starting to get into the weeds here about the whole grace and works thing, and that's not my intention. So we'll we'll leave it here, and we'll move on more to the importance of character. And we really need to start with these two questions. So if it's the antidote to the sin virus that cures us, and if it's our vote in the eternal election that determines our eternal outcome, then why is our character important? Why does it really matter? Well, hopefully, um, as you listen to the two statements above being read aloud, uh, it occurred to you that both statements are very me-focused. So it's me accepting the antidote for my sin virus, and it's me casting my vote for my future. When you look at those two questions, it's really all about me, right? Step one is all about me. And that's fine. The process of justification is very focused on me. It's God working on your heart, asking you to return to him and choose him in the controversy. Uh, It's him telling me about the rescue mission and asking me if I want his free gift, the antidote to the sin virus. However, once that process is over and we've made our decision, everything changes. So step two is the process of sanctification, and it stops being all about me, and it starts to become more about others. So in step two, we talked about sanctification being all about making good choices, forming good habits, and developing character, right? Or a spiritual DNA that resembles the character of God, which is love. And it's really the love piece that changes everything. So there's a verse in the Bible that goes something like this. Jesus said to him, you shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. And that's Matthew 22, 37 to 40. This verse summarizes God's entire plan for our lives in two commands, right? The first one is to love God, and the second one is to love others as you do yourself. So I think we all get the love God part, right? It's step one. In a nutshell, it's choosing God over Satan in the eternal election. And of course, there's an ongoing component to that as well. 
but it all starts with step one. Then the second statement is interesting because it defines for us what step two is all about. If we break it down, there are really two parts to step two. First, it suggests that I love myself. And for most of us, this isn't a problem, right? This isn't something that we had to figure out in life. We're actually born selfish, right? We look at, we look out for ourselves. We often struggle with jealousy. We want good things to come our way, uh, even if it doesn't come to others. We struggle to be nice to others if they have things that we think we should have. So it's there, right? A love for ourselves. Now, I fully understand a small caveat here. I fully understand that there are people out there who struggle with this. There are people who don't love themselves. In fact, uh, there are, there may be people out there who hate themselves. They hate who they are. They hate who they've become. And this can happen for, you know, a number of reasons. Um, you growing up, if, if bad things happen to you, uh, if you experienced any form of abuse or childhood trauma, um, it's it can be very difficult to look at yourself uh, in a good light. Um, but it can also be related to things that you've done in your past. You know, maybe you did some things growing up or did some things in high school or college. And, and you know, these are things that you did to your family members, friends, or other people that you're just not proud of. And for people in this situation, you know, this becomes kind of the, the first priority in step two is learning to love yourself the way God loves you. Uh, reprogramming that negative view that you have of yourself and accepting God's unconditional love. And only then, uh, you know, will you truly be able to see your value and then truly be able to move on to step two, which is to love others. So like I said, next is loving others the way you love yourself. And so, you know, this is really where your character or your spiritual DNA becomes important. Your character determines the mark you leave on the world, your family, and the people around you for better or for worse. Let me read that again. Your character determines the mark you leave on the world, your family, and people around you for better or for worse. So this goes back to what we talked about a, a couple weeks ago, I think, when we were talking about temptation and the way Satan uses people to do his work for him through peer pressure. And we talked a little bit about the two kinds of peer pressure, right? So there's observed peer pressure and there's blatant peer pressure. Observed uh, peer pressure is nothing more than just you seeing a friend group or your family or someone close to you doing something and then just feeling the pressure to be like them or to do the things that they're doing. And then there's blatant peer pressure, which is, you know, a person specifically... Um, trying to get somebody else to do something. So, you know, this would be like a, a sibling trying to get you to do something wrong, something your parents told you not to do, or a friend group, you know, all going out and partying and, and trying to get the one person who's kind of holding out to do the same. So observed and blatant peer pressure. And the reason we brought that up was because Satan uses peer pressure in the controversy. And because he does, we must understand the following statement. There are no meaningless interactions. When we interact with others, we become active agents for God or for Satan. 
I mean, this is huge. It speaks to just how important it is for each of us to be developing good character, not just for us, but for the people we encounter every day for the rest of our lives. So let's just walk through a few of those places, a few of those situations, uh, you know, where character impacts everything. So starting with you individually, obviously developing a strong, positive character starts with you and your relationship with your creator. The more time you spend with him, reading about him and focused on the ways, uh, his ways and um, what he stands for, the stronger your character becomes. Ultimately, this is you choosing to transcend human, right? Growing as a person versus these two alternatives, which are stagnation, which is choosing not to do anything or not to grow at all in your life, or regression, which is choosing to slip back into bad habits and bad choices that you were making before you met your creator. Next, your character will impact your family. This goes without saying, your relationship with your spouse uh, will be dependent on how you uh, interact, um, how your how your character plays out in your relationship with your spouse. Um, it'll show up in how you parent, you know, the kind of parent you are. It'll show up in the relationship uh, you form with each of your kids, uh, what you choose to pass on to your kids, the legacy you choose to leave behind. Uh, and finally, you know, you can impact or lessen the effects of human nature on your family by modeling the opposite behaviors. So, you know, the opposite of things like greed, selfishness, anger, revenge, etc., and instead replacing them with love, kindness, um, patience, you know, things like that. So really, our, you know, our kids are born with a sin virus, and if, if we were to just leave them alone, human nature would eventually take over. Um, for the most part, they would probably uh, adopt most of those bad behaviors, and sure, they might, you know, do a little work on their own as they, as they matured, and, you know, maybe they would realize that some of those things weren't the best thing for them. But for the most part, human nature is quick to just jump in and become the norm. But when we intervene, we are able to kind of change that direction and have a, a good impact on our kids. Next, character is evident around your friends, coworkers, and acquaintances. So as you develop character, you're able to be a good influence on others. Maybe it comes out as a mentor. You know, maybe you have a mentorship role with somebody or uh, even more formal, maybe a role as like an accountability partner, uh, which is something that uh, I think some people have really latched onto, you know, having one person that they can go to and be transparent with and say, you know, I'm really, I'm really struggling. I want to do this thing and I don't think it's right. And then, you know, that accountability partner really holds you to that. I think the concept of accountability partner really came, came out in the whole, um, the AA program, right? Where you, you get a sponsor and that sponsor is, is supposed to be on speed dial at any point. You should call that person. Uh, if you're, if you're going through a rough time, if you're having an issue, uh, and that sponsor is there to kind of help talk you through that low time in your life, similar thing with an accountability partner. And then when you let love lead you, um, you can often play the role of cheerleader, right? So cheering people on as they are making good decisions and as they are doing well in life. 
And finally, you can be, you know, a support system for others. You can be that one stable person in someone's life. Um, and, and someday, who knows, maybe they look back and they credit you for being the one who, you know, pulled them through and, and helped them succeed. Next, character is the backbone of your community, local government, and nation. So think about the power you have in these arenas, right? First, it's your choice to be a contributor or a consumer. So you can sit around all day and consume the good things that are available to us in, in our world, or you can choose to be a contributor and contribute back, making things a little better for others. You know, these are concepts like giving back, pay it forward, uh, you know, things like that. It's basically using the talents that God has given you to impact your culture with your unique contribution, something that only you can give back. You know, it takes people with a strong, positive character to stand up to things like social injustice, racism, abuses of the system, and uh, other deeply ingrained behaviors uh, that are really you know, at the root of some of the problems we see in society. At this level, you know, your character or your spiritual DNA, depending on the direction it has gone, will either facilitate change or actually make things worse than they already are. And finally, character drives the controversy and the world around us. So we could look at the character, we could look at character as a weight on a scale. On one side of the scale, you have people developing good, strong, positive character with God's help. And on the other side, you have people choosing against God and developing bad, negative, or worldly character. And and this scale, you know, either tips to the side of good or the side of evil, right? It's whatever side has the most weight is the side that it tips toward. So when we choose God and develop character based on love, we are adding weight to the side of the scale for on God's side. And we're pushing back against the darkness and the evil that's in the world. And we are making the world a better place while we're in it. And then, you know, someday when we are no longer in it, hopefully the legacy that we've left will be there to strengthen the resolve of generations that follow. So let's land the plane. This week, ask yourself the following questions. So again, where are you at on step one? Uh, if you're still struggling, you know, maybe this is your week. Maybe this is that defining moment where you cross the line and you cast your vote in the eternal election. Next, have you ever thought about your character in this way before? How important it is and how big of an impact it can have in so many areas of your life. And finally, where can you strengthen your character this week? Uh, in what areas uh, could you set up your, or could you up your game, just step it up a level, right? And leverage, leverage your character to bring positivity and love to your family or to a coworker um, or even a stranger on the street. Next week, uh, we jump into the end of time. Uh, yes, you heard me right. Uh, the 13th basic assumption is that the controversy will end. Um, you know, this is a topic that scares many people. They don't really want to think about the world ending or, or things getting worse than they already are in, in society. But don't worry, there is so much good news that comes out of the end of time. Even though it's a bad situation, um, and it's kind of the final, the final hurrah uh, of Satan, 
being able to rule this world, there is still a lot of good that comes. So I cannot wait to talk through this with you. Um, it's again, it's fun being here, being able to do this. And, uh, I want to thank you again for joining us. I hope you're doing well. I hope that, you know, even the, in this crazy time with things shutting back down again and our future going back to being a little up in the air, um, just remember God is there and ultimately he's in control. Satan may be having the time of his life watching this chaos that he's inspired on earth, but God still owns the box that Satan is playing in. Never forget that. God still owns the box that Satan is playing in. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Um, And until we see each other next time, keep transcending human. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transcend Human podcast. For more information, you can go to transcendhuman.com, where you'll find ways to contact us and how to access social media channels. If you like the show, you can help us by doing the following. First, tell a few friends about the show. Uh, There's nothing better than word of mouth marketing. Second, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, This will make it easier to find the show and encourage others to check us out. Uh, Thanks again for subscribing, and we'll see you next time.